This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, welcome everybody to this uh, Christmas Bank Holiday Tuesday edition of Forever Bristol City podcast. Bristol City hadn't lost a home game on Boxing Day since 1962. I was six years old at the time, wasn't a fan then, hadn't seen the light. Sadly, it finished yesterday against uh, West Brom, City nil, West Brom 2. And another useless fact coming in here, that was West Brom's 105th fixture on Boxing Day, that is more than any other club. And when you say that the, or that says that City were looking for their first double since 0506 against the Baggies, that wasn't 2005, 2006 season, that was 190506. First time we went looking, uh, looking for our first double against them. Anyway, there we go. Um, joining me today uh, is, is R. Ian. Uh, Mark and uh, back after sickness. Although I heard a little cough there, Neil. Morning, chaps. Um, are we? How, how are we feeling? Are we feeling full of uh, the Christmas spirit? No. Well, it's morning with a you. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd probably. I feel fantastic in myself. Um, as far as the football goes, yeah, I'm with Mark. Okay, and Neil, what about you? How are you feeling? I mean, you're, 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 you've had a bit of a cough for a couple of weeks, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, how, how, how are you feeling generally? You know, did it spoil your Christmas, or was a degree of inevitability about it, as so often is the case with uh, Bristol City? Well, I'm a little bit torn at the moment, Dave. I have to, I have to admit, um, I've wanted to believe in Pearson. I, I've believed in the project. Um, it's a bit of a struggle at the moment, I have to say, and I don't think his work in the media, although some things have been taken a little bit out of context, but his comments yesterday, again, you know, it's it's difficult to actually support him at the moment, I have to admit. You know, he, he, he could really do with somebody on his shoulder saying, I don't think that's the right thing to say at this time, you know. A little bit of humility. He's coming across as a, a belligerent so-and-so, isn't he? Well, yeah, I mean, we can talk a lot about the uh, manager because the forum's pretty toxic, as you might expect. And for the first time, 
uh, you know, we heard the uh, Pearson out chance. I don't think Holden ever had Holden out, but there, there was a manager with a 44% win rate, unlike Nigel's sub-30 uh, percentage. But let's leave managerial bashing, uh, as I'm sure there will be until uh, later on in this uh, episode. But uh, the lineup, um, I think... <sighs> I think he showed a little bit of humility after his comments last week of throwing Atkinson uh, under the bus. And I put on Twitter, sometimes a little bit of tough love does need to be shown. And it was as if somebody had had a word with him because he seemed to be backtracking a bit. But Ian, when you saw that uh, starting lineup, you know, it was it was the same. And it was the Vyman antic, not tactic, at right wing back. And Andy King in the centre of the defence. I mean, did you think, Ian, when you saw that, oh, my God, he's just so pig-headed with his selections? What did you think? I tweeted exactly the same thing before the game. Um, Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the first sign of madness. And it's also a sign of arrogance and ineptitude. And that's exactly what that was yesterday. And so it proved, look, I'm a City fan. I want us to see us win every game 5 0. Every Ditto. game of the season 5 0. We'll feel that. Cosmic football. Now, I know that isn't possible, and you're only going to play cosmic football about six to eight games a season if you're having a good season. Sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you have to settle for a 0 0 draws or a 1 0, or perhaps winning 1 0 with a penalty. Sometimes you have to do that. But our performances, as well as the results, have been completely unacceptable. Yeah. And after playing, Nigel Pearson's now been in charge for 91% of two seasons. So we'll call it, two, in terms of rounding, we'll call that two seasons. He's achieved nothing. We've gone nowhere. Yeah. All right, well, let's go on to the Pearson bash in, uh, in a minute, because it is that. I mean, facts don't lie. Absolutely right there, Ian. Mark, when you saw... The lineup. I mean, you know, no close on the bench, no Chris Martin on the bench. Is he one of the three banished, told they no longer have a future at the club? But did you go, oh, no, when uh, that lineup was uh, announced, you know, he's sticking with his favoured ones? Yeah, it's, it's um, the, the, the stubbornness, the like of what saw the end of Steve Cottrell playing the same players every week, um, playing, playing a, 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 a number 10. Or striker environment at wing back again, where he's complete, completely wasted, and his game is suffering because of it. Playing King at centre back, although it wasn't him that uh, conceded, you know, conceded the helped concede the first goal or, or the second goal because he was off, he was off the pitch. But yeah, the team, the team's unbalanced, and there's just no leader on the pitch. I mean, what really, what really rankled me is yesterday that. The midfield three did nothing. Our best two passers. Well, I was going to were, devote, were, a, were few, Nace, I was Nace, devote Nace, a few moments yeah, to them. Our best yeah. two, our best two passers were, were Naismith and Viner, enabled us yeah. to get the ball down the channels, get in, be, get in behind, over the top sometimes, and created chances for Conway, uh, where you know he had well Palmer made two fantastic saves, getting off his line quickly. Uh, mm. Max O'Leary, beware! And once those lines were shut down. We didn't do anything, and it was no. just that total absence no. of midfit midfield. It was, it was just. Well, I want to talk about the midfield. I want to talk about the midfield and one yeah. player in particular in there. And um, Neil, uh, you know, 
again, the, as the other guys have said, you know, he's persisting with King. You know, he's persisting with the antic of Wyman as a right wing back. He, I saw Wyman two times yesterday, once when he was left at sea for the first goal, which we'll come on to in a minute, but also when he did pop up in, I'll call it a marauding inside right channel. It was one of City were not half, weren't too bad in the opening 45. And you saw him bearing in and you're thinking, right, he was bearing in in a forward running position, not an overlapping wing back uh, position. But did you sort of take a, a sigh when uh, you saw that lineup? And what were your thoughts on the bench? You know, no close and Martin, that sends out a signal as well, doesn't it, Neil? Well, if you deal with the bench, first of all, Dave, um, you know, it's clear that Martin, and I'm, I'm sure other people are aware that it's highly likely that he sorted out a move to League One in, in the January window. So I think Martin is, is gone. So moving on from that, in the same way that Masengo, I, I think, is probably gone, mm. isn't it? And close now, then. And close. Yeah, I, th- I think close as well. I, I, th- I can see a termination of contract there and mutual him consent. losing back. Yeah. yeah, mutual consent. I, you know, when these players aren't on the bench, it sends a message out, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I think uh, if he'd have, if he'd have taken King out, he would have had to have had a little bit of humility to say, maybe it's now it's not the time I've made a mistake. He was never mm. going to do that. So he compromised no. by putting Atkinson on the bench where he wasn't yeah. against Stoke. So that's his compromise where he can cut, walk away from it with a little bit of, look, Atkinson impressed me in the week. His attitude's a lot better. I've put him back on the bench. He's back in contention. He's back in the squad. But I still realistically don't trust him and I don't want to change the King experiment. But King, for me, when he was at... at uh, he's never been a defensive midfielder, has he? When he, no. was, at, when he was at Leicester, he was a number 10... Yeah. Um, and he was an attacking midfielder and, and playing him at centre-back, I think he's sends a message out to every other centre-back at the club. And that is, I don't really trust you and I don't really think you're good enough. Any of you. Any of you. Even though I've signed three players that can play in that position, which gets back to, again, want to save the managerial chat to later on, but do we trust him with any money that might come in? And then what money? OK, let's look at the, let's look at the action for what it's worth. Ian... First goal, um, you know, 10 minutes gone. Townsend pass, Vyman sort of ball watching, Viner chasing the man, Max coming off his line. Was it a good goal? Was it a collection of mistakes, as I've just described it, i.e. Max not coming up, as some critics said? I put it on Viner, and I don't blame Viner because he was exposed because Vyman was nowhere. But what were your thoughts on the goal, Ian? Well, you just explained it. There's no point in me doing it, is there? Well, do it again. Tell me, take, give me your take on it. That's what I said. <laughs> well, a bit pointless, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Boyman's right. not a right wing back. He was ball watching, yeah. and the balls got slid between him and Boyner. Just a simple pass. I mean, we did it for two seasons with Brian Tinian and Scott Murray. Oh, okay, it was on the other side of the field, um, but the, the the guys the guys ran through. It was Townsend, ex England international, completely unmarked. Um, I wouldn't blame Max for that one. I'd blame him for the second one, partly, uh, but not for that one because the guy had so much time in space and he's a class player. Um, and, and he finished it. Um, whereas we had two chances in the first half, both fell to Tommy Conway. He's hit the target with both. The keeper saved them both. Yeah. 
That's how I, that's why that's how that's I how saw. You saw it. Mark, how did you, do, do you who do you see culpable? I don't like apportioning blame. Do you see anybody culpable for the first goal, or is it a yeah. strike worthy of a side that was in the Premier League last season? Has got parachute payments and God knows what else. No, um, it's good ball by Townsend, but Thymans up the pitch. You see him. You see him from behind the goal, and he's he's trotting back, just tr- trotting back. He's up in on the spot. Viner's caught un- unawares as well, so there's a huge gap between them. And Matt Phillips just runs on, uh, and the difference is Palmer came off his line. He committed himself to come off his line when Conway went through seconds earlier. O'Leary doesn't do that, so he's he's caught he's caught in uh, in no man's land, and and Phillips is able to just whack it past him. I mean, mm. the ball just runs on. Uh, there's no, there's nobody, there's nobody there to challenge because Viner's nowhere near. You know, he's, he's, he's gone. That's, uh, that's, that's, that side's gone. I mean, that was happening the other week in the first half against Rotherham that we sorted out in the second half. The problem between Naismith and Pring, where they couldn't deal with uh, Norton Cuffey. That's right. Just, and, on learn, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then, and then, and then, I mean, this that carried on for another ten, fifteen minutes. It looked like uh, West Brom would get would get more goals, but we looked so off it the first quarter of an hour. Yeah, uh, awful. What were your thoughts on the opening goal, Neil? I mean, was Viner as Viner's been? <laughs> we didn't think we'd be saying this six months ago, but Viner's been our most trusted central defender, and he was a little bit at sea. But was that not helped by Viman being too far up the pitch because he's playing in an unaccustomed position? There was a bit of a warning sign with O'Leary for me about five minutes before the goal and given it was only nine minutes we're talking about the first five minutes of the game where from where i was in the in the dolman uh, there was a real hesitation between max and viner that nearly put viner in a really difficult position he just got rid of the ball do you remember that bit Mm. that sort of hesitation between the two of them and then he just thought at that time oh we're not going to have one of those really nervy max o'leary type games where you know, he's a little bit indecisive because when it when he's not great, he's not great, is he? He's a small keeper. He doesn't dominate the area. Let's be honest, he's not a championship-level goalkeeper. We found ourselves in this position because of the falling out between Bentley, who probably is a championship keeper, but probably not of the ilk to actually get you out of the division, you know, to be in contention. But there's no doubt that Bentley is a better keeper than O'Leary, but they've had the falling out. They, you know, it's done now. He's moving yeah. on next month. I it's guess. Done. I guess. What about? I mean, a few moments after that. I mean, Phillips uh, headed one of our. Uh, I think we got eleven or eight, certainly eight corners. Headed one on to the crossbar down the opposite end, almost an OG. But then uh, Jed Wallace, the sort of player that we should be getting but couldn't afford, the ex-Millwall lad. Uh, he put in a corner, and then it was a DK header that hit Pring. And Max O'Leary did a good save because he was going one way from DK's header, but Pring wrong-footed him. And that was a good save before the ball was hat clear. So, you know, maybe he should have come out, but he kept us in the game with that save, did he not? And there was, and there was saves in the second half, Dave. You know, mm. it, it was... For, for me, there, there were parallels between, obviously, the Phillips goal and the Conway goal. Uh, the Conway first chance. Palmer... Yeah looking like the ready break man with a luminous top that I think if I was running through on goal and I looked up and I saw the ready break man coming towards you, you kind of would hit the light, wouldn't you? You kind of hit it at, at the keeper, that kit yesterday, but he's a big old unit 
And I think Max, Max in that way, you know, coming, he came racing off his line with the Conway chance and did a good yeah. save. And Max yesterday, he just doesn't, he doesn't get off his line quickly enough. I'm afraid. No, so that's I'm your, sorry. That's your criticism of him. Well, I, guess, I, 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 guess I think, I think with it, I think there is, you know, Viner, for me, he's had a better season. He's one of the better defenders at the club for this season, but we're talking about a fairly low bar there, aren't we? I'm not going to give you credit for the uh, uh, ready, Brett, because you saw that somewhere. No, I didn't. I said it during the game. I said it during the game and I posted, <laughs> I posted on the was Bristol Saints. Was it you that posted it? Was it you I that tweeted, I tweeted. Yeah, I tweeted oh, you, on the you, Bristol Saints. Right, would, it, would it, would you, had this been a game played in the height of summer, would you have substituted Tango Man for Ready Break Man? <laughs> would you? Oh, we're we're of that generation. There's probably yeah. some people going to listen to this who have no idea what I'm on about when yeah. I say Ready Break Man. Anybody who's yeah. really young, Ready Break Man, they look like they were kids going out on cold weather with radioactivity because it was Ready Break. You eat Ready Break, it gives you gives you a bit of a glow. Yeah, they all um, live next to Sellafield. <laughs> that's what it was. Ian, the, the the one bright spot. I mean, well, we started with a Conway Well strike force. Um, two things that that. That, that chance that Conway had was a good one. And your thoughts, since we're talking strikers, on Naki signing for a further two years. That was well-received all round. So, you know, your thoughts on the Conway effort and, and Wells signing for two years. Well, Conway had two chances. He hit the target, but both keepers saved them. That's all you can really say about that. The, um, a player of his ability, you hope, would get at least one of them. Uh, but the fact is that most of the time when a striker goes up against the goalkeeper, the, the goalkeeper comes out on top. Um, so I'm not going to criticise him too strongly for that. Naki, new contract, depends on a number of things. He's uh, touch wood. He's a fit lad. Yeah. Um, so, and he's probably, I would say, got the body of a 27, 28-year-old and the fitness of the same, even though he's pushing 32. Um He's taken a, a pay cut, and Pearson confirmed that in, in, I think, his best press conference since he's been at the club in midweek. I mean, there was more information came out of it, and he actually criticised the club for not keeping people informed of the plan. So we found out that seven people have been offered new contracts. We found out Naki had signed one, and we found out that three people hadn't been offered. Now, before everybody gets excited about who hasn't been offered, you should realise that people like James Morton, who's I've got more chance of getting a game down there than he has, um, is one of those people that is probably is up for contract renewal this year. So we shouldn't get too excited. They've all been offered vastly reduced terms. Pearson's confirmed that. So I would imagine Naki it may be lucky to be getting 50% of what he was on before. And he's signed. Um, and I, I think he'll stay with us when we go down. Um, which is what's going to happen if, if Pearson stays. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy with it, um, but it depends on how much money he's getting um, and how fit he can stay. But overall, I'm not unhappy with it because, as a, the well-worn phrase, we are where we are financially. Yeah. Mark, were you uh, pl- pleased that Naki... Uh... Naki signed a, a two-year at half the money. I mean, you know, d- does his motivation waver at all when you, if you were doing the job, the same job, and they cut your money in half, but at least you had a job? How, how would you feel? Sort of grateful or begrudging acceptance? 
It's, I mean, it's completely different for a footballer. I mean, he's bright enough to know that it's still going to be substantially more than he get in League One um, or elsewhere. He's a very fit <coughs> player. He reads, he manages the game very well. He's been a fantastic mentor for uh, for Tommy Conway. And when he was out of favour last season because we were playing uh, the WSM, WSM. For, formation, yeah. he applied himself brilliantly. Came back into the side, and he and he's uh, yeah. one of the first names on the team sheet because he works his backside off. He never stops. He never stops working. Didn't get any really cha- any chance. Didn't get any chances yesterday, but he'll keep working and working. And he's been brilliant for Tommy Conway, where Chris Martin's obviously faded. I think we expected that. It is a and <laughs> his ability, but Naki has actually improved. And who yeah. could have said that last season? A player who looked completely out of favour. We thought they might be going. You know, he, I think he knows what's good for him in post-COVID world. That that deal is still substantially more than he'd be getting elsewhere. Uh, yeah. and he's, want, he's wanted and he's returned that in spades. I wish we had more players applying themselves like Naki Wells. True. Your thoughts on uh, Naki, uh, Neil? I mean, he's Ian said he's pushing 32. Actually, actually no, when he is Naki 32. Started, he is 32. He's, he's 32, 33 yeah. on the 1st of June, right? Yeah. So he's going to, you know, he costs us 5.3 million. You know, he's going to be here for another two years. So, you know, um, your thoughts, Neil, on the, that, that, that? Well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit torn, Dave, truth be told. <laughs> story, of, story of the podcast, isn't it? A little bit torn. Uh, but the for me, the team itself is unbalanced. The team itself hasn't been good enough over the last two or three seasons from these, you know, these people that we bought in on big wages for big money. Um, signing a player who is going to be 33 at the end, at the start of next yeah. season, mm-hmm. um, a 33 to 35 year old on, okay, let's take a rough ballpark figure. Let's just go. I think he was the highest paid player at the club. I think that's been documented somewhere. He's the highest paid player. I thought that was Callas, but if he's the highest paid I, I, I think he's there or thereabouts. Let's go with there or thereabouts. That wonderful phrase. And then uh, he's taken a substantial pay cut. Okay, still fifteen grand, so say. So he's still paying a thirty-three-year-old fifteen grand, who is part of a team that has struggled for a number of years. And what that interview, and it was a good interview. Ian's completely right with Pearson, but for me, offering six or seven of those out-of-contract players contracts, I'm not sure I would have. You know, are they good enough? Are we, you know, signing those players on that are perennial that we've been talking about for the last couple of years is not good enough in whatever way, whether it's down to the coaching, the manager, the performances on the pitch, whatever. We, we've kind of offered contracts to players that really are going to take us forward, really are going to get us competitive in this division. I was kind of hoping that we got to the end of the season saw what division we were in and then made some really proactive decisions and acknowledged the fact that actually these players, these luxury marquee players that we've paid a lot of money for and a lot of wages for, are they actually going to take us forward? Even if they come back on 50 to 60% of the wages, that's still a huge amount of our wage budget cut up. And if we offer six or seven of these out of contract players, decent enough contracts at this level with our reduced budgets 
that's still going to really shape our ability to actually bring new players into the well, club, the point, isn't it? The point, in the summer. Yeah, if you yeah, turn the sound down in the background because I can hear myself coming out of there. The point there with that with that signing of Naki Wells is what he's going to cost in wages. Yeah, okay. There's no transfer fee involved, so that's one way of looking at it. But let's say. Yeah, if he was on 30, which I don't think he was, let's say he was on 27, which is a figure that I seem to have read somewhere about him. He's going to come in at 13 grand a week. And could you get two players that are half decent in this post-COVID era that are bright upcoming youngsters? And I mean, with a bit more about them than than George Tanner's uh, got. And that's no disrespect to George Tanner. Let's stick with the action. Um, Into the second half. Um, the substitutions, well, King went off uh, injured, allowed Atkinson to come on. Ian, that brought one of the biggest cheers of the afternoon when Atkinson came on, didn't it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, what did you think of that, that substitution? I would say one of the only cheers of the afternoon, Dave. Yeah. Um, well, at least he brought Atkinson on. He, he didn't bring on uh, Semenyo and play him at the back. Yeah. That and then that other good. substitution, Ian, you did a double substitution on the 71st minute. <clears throat> with Vyman and Williams going off, yeah, and then Sykes and Tanner came on. Um, good substitutions, maybe not because they got their second goal a few minutes after. But what do you oh, think of those? Oh, oh. So you're chasing a game. You're one nil behind. You take off the guy that scored all the goals last season, or or a <coughs> and got a lot of assists. Um, so you take him off and you bring on a defender. In fact, you bring on two defenders because you take. But in fairness, Sykes is really a midfield player who's, who's been playing um, right wing back. So why wouldn't you at half time, seeing the way the game was going? Alex Scott was absolutely anonymous yesterday and he looked cheese right off, as did Vyman when he came off. Um, so why, why, why wouldn't you have taken Alex Scott off at half time? Brought on um, uh, Sykes or Tanner to play that right wing back role, you know, as Tanner at least is a proper defender, mm. and move Voiman into a 10 role where he might have done some damage. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have done that? And it for me, and that seems to have been, judging by what I've read uh, on Twitter, um, that seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people um, because there are. Uh, 179 replies to Pearson's uh, short club interview, um, which, you know, he gets asked challenging questions like, Nigel, what's your favourite colour and what are you having for tea? Um, And we know why. The the poor bloke can't say to him, well, that was dreadful, Nigel. What are you going to do about it? Um, And and then um, there are 179 replies Apart from the ones from Rovers fans saying we think he should get another three years, <laughs> Pearson must stay. I, I would. One hundred and seventy-nine are negative, and some are highly negative and a bit vulgar. Yeah. And I obviously can't read those. Well, you're not going to repeat those. You're not going to repeat those. Ian, you mentioned the gist of it is that I would, if you said ninety-eight point nine percent wanted him, wanted him gone. I think that would be a fair analogy. Yeah, yeah. Ian, you made a point there about Scott. I thought he was absolutely atrocious. And I took my stepdaughter with me yesterday, who's a Villa fan, and she noticed the first time, pulled out of a tackle deep in his own half and then pulled out of another tackle attacking the uh, 
the Atio end. I mean, he played, and others have said this. A few I've read others, maybe one or two other comments. He played like a player that didn't really uh, didn't really want to get involved. You know, and you can't say he's eaten too much uh, Christmas pudding because he's a slip of a lad anyway. But uh, did you think he he just looked disinterested yesterday? There was nothing there really, was there for him? Well, I, I think the midfield doesn't work. I, I quite like the idea of a three three man midfield, um, and it has worked. Uh, we we saw it at uh, at Blackburn. Uh, Alex Scott had a very good game. He had, he had a very good half. Um, but I, I think Alex Scott is probably better as a central midfielder in a two. So mm. and I'm not sure James and Williams can can fit in the same midfield. So I think the the midfield yesterday was dreadful. It was dreadful against Stoke. Didn't get hold of the ball. Didn't control the game. No. The, the service to the front players was was poor. As Mark said earlier, the best two passers were Naismith and Viner. And yeah. Naismith, when he didn't have the time, when he got pushed forward into midfield, as some of us have suggested, um, didn't really do well. But by that time, we were just a shambles. Well, um, we switched. We had switched to a four, really, haven't we? I think, because as well, you say, Naismith got pushed into the middle. Dave, I, I don't even know what formation we were playing. because well, no, was, they didn't look like they bit. If you're going to look at it logically, you would say we finished the game uh, with Tanner at right back, Viner and Atkinson in the middle, and Pring left back. And by the time, you know, Scott had gone and Williams had gone off, Naismith was in the middle. I mean, you could have done no worse and swapped playing players out of position. He could have swapped Vyman and Scott. And Scott has probably, if you look at people that have occupied the right wing back role, Scott did that about 20 games last season. And he was probably the best of those players that have played in that role, but playing out of position, but not as far out of position as uh, Vyman. Mark, I come to you for the, uh, the, the, the second goal, because again, I've looked that back. Naismith was venturing forward. He lost out, well, there was three... West Brom players round him in the centre circle. So no wonder he lost out, outnumbered like that. A pass to Roger. I actually applaud Thomas Asante's goal because no matter what you say about Max coming off his line, you know, he knew exactly where the goal was. Again, you look at it from various angles. Viner and Tanner were nowhere near him, but uh, a good goal or a preventable goal through defenders not being tight enough and the keeper being too far off his line. What did you think, Mark? Well, the... The keeper was too far off his line. Uh, I mean, I didn't appreciate it from where I was sitting on the side of the pitch, but having looked at it, I mean, Tanner, Tanner, and uh, uh, and he runs between Tanner and uh, and um, Viner from Rogic's pass. So he, he he's only, they're only a yard behind him, but he makes up his mind because he's so far off his line. He's about he's about ten yards off his line. So there's only mm. one place that there's only one place that that uh, Thomas Asante can hit the ball and just chip it over him. So if he has to, if he has to make a decision, uh, and he comes off his line slowly, stands up strong, make you know makes it hard for him, then they catch him up. So it, it was easy for him. It was a great great finish, an absolute terrific finish. And uh, listening to it on YouTube with the uh, with the Albion summarizers, it sounded like uh, they won the lottery. The way yeah. uh, their reaction to everything, great pass by Rogic. Everybody's the wrong side of the ball. Terrific finish, and that's the sort of player. If we'd had a little bit of money, I think they bought him from Salford City, didn't they? Uh, in the summer, um, he scored. He right. scored some good goals. A bit of a rough diamond, yeah. but he seems to be setting it down well. In the, the rough. Championship diamond football. in the rough. Yeah, uh, Neil, your your thoughts on that 
Well, decisive goal. I mean, City, you just had the feeling watching West Brom throughout the match, actually, once they'd taken the lead, uh, that they just, if they wanted to and step up a gear, you know, they were going to score. But do uh, you think Viner and Tanner should have been tighter on the man in that situation? Yeah. Um, just making a point about the midfield before getting to that, and I'll be very quick. Yukuzlu in midfield, number 35 for, for West Brom yesterday. What a player. Yeah, but then that's the difference. Ultimately, he's been playing in La Liga with Celta Vigo for the last four years. 39 caps for, for Turkey. Fantastic yesterday. He dominated the three of them. One player just dominated our three midfielders. And that's the guy that won about four physical challenges off Scott to the degree that then Scott started dipping out. And we've all seen on the forums this potential that he's moving next month. Is he got a thought in his head that he doesn't want to get injured, doesn't want to put himself in the firing line. So we'll have to see in the next couple of games exactly where his mindset is. But as mm. as for the goal, from my position on the halfway line, Max comes and then he realises he's not going to get there and then he finds himself in no man's land. It's a great finish. Fair play to the lad. But honestly, Max made it so easy for him. In that what position, about the defenders? What about Viner and Tanner, who were both sort of? I don't know. know. I mean, we push forward. I mean, Naismith, Naismith <laughs> lost. Naismith loses the ball in midfield, so we're we're trying to push on. Naismith, I think you know, whenever you in the middle of a game, you you put somebody in a new position and say, just play in that position. There's a, there's a mindset, isn't there? So we lose the ball. We're going forward. We've got the ball. Suddenly, we haven't got the ball, and. Uh, you know, he, he plays he plays the ball through, but in all honesty, if Max is on his six yard box, that's a catch, isn't it? Yeah, that's if he catch. stays there. Yeah. If he stays, it, but he came and then he thought, Oh, I'm not gonna make it and then he's retreating back and he got caught out by the finish and it was a great finish, but mm. he's a bit sloppy. A bit sloppy yeah. goalkeeping, I'm afraid, from mm. my perspective. Ian, yeah, Ian, your thoughts, uh on the goal, unless we've said all there is to say? Well, as I said earlier on, I, I put that one down to Max because he, he was in no man's land. Um, mm. And he, he didn't need to be where he was. We had two recovering defenders chasing Asante. And Asante, to call him a comment, looked up, saw him off his line, and chipped him. Yeah. But it, it, as Neil correctly said, if he'd have been stood on the edge of his six-yard box, that goes straight in his mitts. And I don't think Asante would have bashed it low into the bottom corner from where he was. But there you are. There's a, there's a player, scored a really good goal, looked uh, full of energy, full of pace when he came on, signed from Salford City Reds. So you don't have to go out and spend millions and millions and millions to bring somebody in that's better than what you've got. We, we've got a better player than him on the bench, but we brought him on with 15 minutes to go when the game was over and the stadium, and the stadium was empty. And you're talking about Semenyo, Ian, yeah? Yeah. Can somebody turn their mic off when they're not talking because you're getting feedback there? There we go. That's it. That's it. Still no, Neil, getting it. One, two, one, two. That's better. That's better. Um, um, interesting, Ian, you say about Semenyo, better player. There was a little snippet. Somebody put it as a one-liner uh, that Semenyo refused to play now that's a strong word to use refuse but didn't want to play same difference maybe for the under 21s this week is this somebody who's got 
ideas above his station, who, you know, is another one who thinks his future is elsewhere. Um, his head's been turned. He's got a new agent and everything as well. I mean, just doesn't look a threat. He only had ten. Well, yeah, he had fifteen minutes yesterday, didn't he? Because the six minutes added on. But uh, did you have you seen that snippet that he didn't want to play for the under twenty ones? I think uh, senior players do get a choice because Atkinson played and Tanner played um, yeah. the other week. But uh, I haven't seen that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's true. I don't really care. It's not a question of of he thinks he'll be going somewhere else. He knows he'll be going. His dad's his agent. He won't sign a new contract. So that's where we are with Antoine. The fact that Nigel Pearson isn't playing him in an unsuccessful team is fair enough. If, look, if the, the team's tearing up trees and you're top of the table, <coughs> you, don't, you don't expect to get in. But we're yeah. not. And we've got a guy on the bench that in the summer, people were telling me, was worth in excess of 20 million. Now, whether he's worth that now, and I doubt that very, very, very much, they have activated... Uh, is uh, the one-year option, but I would start. I would start playing him. We need to do something different. Play four-three-three. Three. Uh, you know, play four-five-one. Do something different. Do something different. No, that's it, Ian. Because that's it, it in a nutshell. It, something it, it, different. Down that whimper, but the players that are down there all will want to leave. They won't stay here. And I think <coughs> Players that have got a sales value, like a cement, we think, we're told they've got a sales value, like a Semenu, Richard Gould said there was a lot of interest in in the summer, but that was all interest, no bids. Mm. So, um, if, if he's, um, so they will be leaving the club. So the club have to cash in, and with Semenu, they have to cash in by the latest in the summer. Yeah, but I don't think looking at those players, you could see which ones want to play for the manager and which ones didn't seem that bothered. But when you look at the service Semenya got when he came on, who, who was going to do well when he did? Well, come there was on? no service. There was no service. No, absolutely right. No service. It, um, Mark um, Pearson. I heard Pearson's uh, interview on Radio Bristol pre-match, and he said. The lads seem in a good mood, yeah? So he was quite chipper uh, about it. Um, you know, there's one thing being in a good mood. And again, we talked about the midfield. Um, is it a bloody holiday camp down at Ashton Gate for too many of these too many of these players? I don't... I just don't know. I mean, it's not, like I said, it's just like a shrug of the shoulders. Our expectations are low. The fans feel it. The manager feels it. It seems to, to transfer to the players. I mean, we came back from World Cup and watched, you know, the game against Rotherham. First quarter of an hour or so, we were poor and we got we, we got the goal and we worked our way into the game and won 3-1. We followed that with two pathetic performances, mostly. And, mm. you know, it seems to infect players like Alex Scott. I mean, he, we expect a little bit too much of him. It's uh, 19 years old to be our saviour. Uh, when you know when when Matty James is in and out, um, uh, Joe Williams is actually fit for most of the to play most of the games now. Well, he got substituted. Yeah. Yesterday. Well, let me ask but you about nothing, Joe Williams. There's, there's nothing. Sorry, there's nothing behind that. There's no other players. The only other player that I think could play could play in mid central midfield uh, with experience is Andy King. 
who gets played who gets played in defence. But yeah, they're just it's lack of confidence. But we were so far off the pace yesterday. West Brom. Well, that's the other thing. We're just, we're just on it. it. West Brom were on fit. it. No. Yeah, but I what? Think, but, I just think it's why? mindset. Yeah. I just don't All right, know. and Williams, you look at Joe Williams, right? Is he out of contract in the summer? Did has he got a did he sign a four year contract and then it's three well, years and we can exercise that well, option? Because I I'll be honest, he's not out in, we were Dave, called, he's not out in the summer in answer to your question. He's not. No. All right. Because I think he, you know, we he was it like the Messiah was gonna come and you know and, and, and on paper, if you look at we said this last week actually, if you look at William James and Scott as a midfield three, to look at that three, right? If we just said that in August, we just said, yeah, agree with that. We've got the experience of James and the creativity. We've got the ruggedness of Joe Williams, the, the fit Joe Williams that we haven't really seen until this season. And then the creativity of uh, Scott. I mean, Neil, you know, that Williams, James and Scott combo, and then with a front three of Vyman in the whole Wells and Conway, you know, that doesn't look too bad, does it? And then if you would have had a back four of uh, uh, Kane Wilson, Thomas Callas, uh, Atkinson and Naismith playing a 4-3-3, nobody would argue with that lineup, would they? But the midfield and Joe Williams in particular, what a bloody letdown. Well, I think watching again the game yesterday, it struck me, I went out to Huddersfield last game of the season, obviously called... Corbyn's Huddersfield and they played with an energy and a drive and an understanding and they pressed and when they lost the ball they chased it back and we throughout the course of the season we've played in fits and starts with with energy you know we've been a particularly at home we've been a first half team and then we've got to the second half and we've just our energy levels and our performance levels well, generally can I just interrupt drop you there, off Neil? massively in second yeah. half. Did you see that league table based on if the match is finished at half time? We were second. Yeah, we were well, second in the league. I haven't seen I think, that, Dave. I haven't seen that. No, no. So, well, it's funny you should say that. Somebody put it up. It was on Twitter. And I think somebody put it on OTIB. 23 games based on results standing at half time we were second right with 10 wins nine draws and four defeats 39 points now that's different to having the advantage and throwing it away but it's a it's a byproduct of, of that well I, I i think from my perspective as well what the amount of home games i've watched this year where we've we've played with a certain energy and certain drive um in the first half and the away team has obviously thought, right, we've got to do something about this. So then they've put um, they've put in place some countermeasures, and we've come out second half, and we just have no plan B. And then we, uh, you know, it's abject. That, that there's no other word that I can describe the second half performance yesterday other than abject. I mean, it got to 83 minutes, and I and I looked on sort of flash scores on one of the apps. And there was no shots, no no corners, no nothing, you know. And we're chasing the game. We're chasing the game at 1-0. And we don't make a forward substitution until after we go 2-0. So Menyo was up. He, he got his strip off. He'd come down. He spoke to Pearson. Then he sent him back on the bench again. Sorry, who you know, was that? Who was that? Uh, Semenyo. Right. 
And then he didn't bring either Semenya or Bell on until five minutes after they scored. So it no. wasn't like instantaneous shit. We're in a no. in this no. hole. And they didn't come on until the 80th minute. So he's he's making points at the moment. He's trying whether he's trying to galvanize the squad by making points. Now the Semenyo thing about the under twenty ones, I've been told a story about it, and it you know, you can see from the way that Pearson is with Semenyo at the moment. You know, no forwards coming onto the pitch until the 80th minute, Dave. When you're We're chasing the game. Yeah. There's nothing, yeah. but even at 1-0 down, even if that second goal had not gone in, yeah, and we're 1-0 yeah. down, you make no changes in your forward to forward area, progressive forward area, until the 80th minute. Yeah. You know, it, it, and you you turn around, I couldn't believe the Vyman one. In the end, he had Sam Bell, who, let's be honest, Sam could well, do that, 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 that loan in, in League One. But Sam he Bell is like playing in the boy. position he where looks, Wyman... Sorry. He looks like a little boy, doesn't he, Sam Bell? He looks well, like he, was playing, he came on and he played in the position that Wyman should have been playing on, but he took Wyman off to, uh, to bring Tanner on. He brought Tanner on for Wyman and then Sykes on for Williams. And yeah, but like, you could argue that he bought two right wing backs. No, he, bought, to play he, bought, he, he bought Sykes. He bought Sykes on for Vyman. No, he bought Tanner on no, for Tanner, Tanner. Tanner played played at the back. What he did was he moved Naismith into into midfield and played Sykes at right wing back. But if you look at the official site, Mark, the Bristol City claim, and when the boards went up, because it all went a bit wrong, didn't it? Dowsey had a bit of a yeah, meltdown yeah, and yeah, completely yeah. lost track. But technically, he bought Tanner on for Vyman. If you have a look at the City Twitter feed, Tanner yeah. comes on for Vyman, Sykes comes right. on for Williams, and then he pushes Naismith up into centre midfield. And you're thinking, not one time during the entire game did the midfield, the centre midfield, break the lines, did they? No. They didn't break through the lines and get through the lines no. of it. No. So I thought, no. come on, I thought maybe you play him in the centre, at least he's got a bit of pace, a bit of go, and we're going to actually have a go at them. But we didn't have a go at them at all. And that was the no. seventh minute, wasn't it? No, no. One player, one player. Somebody switch your mic off. Um, one player, nobody's mentioned at all, who has forced his way back into the side. Uh, Ian Campring put in a shift yesterday from your part. Do you think? Yeah, I think Campring put in a shift. Um, the if you're going to play wing backs and you're going to play them high, you 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 need to give them the ball. They can't always run out of defence and beat three players. So you, you need your midfield. To, to give them the ball and give them the ball early in space, which we don't do. So it doesn't really matter who plays wing-back because they won't get the ball in the right areas. In other words, mm. on the ball, facing goal, say 30 yards out, something like that, so they can make a run, and then they can overlap, underlap. But the problem is if they push forward and lose the ball, we're completely 100% exposed, which is why... We're still joint sixth goal scorers in the division. However, we've conceded the fifth most. Mm. And on current form, we're 21st. Believe it or not, there are still three clubs who over the last 10 games, well, I say 21st, we're, we're, that's only on goal difference. We're joint, really joint 22nd with Blackpool and below us are Rotherham and Wigan. Yeah. So Huddersfield um, right at the bottom, and they got a good two-one win at Preston, and they got a game at uh, home. Not, they beat Preston, and they got a game in hand. So, not, assuming they win the game in hand, 
Whoa, yeah. not on current form, they're not. I was sort of 14th. Now on current up, form, yeah, but if you look at the lead, no, I was just trying to say, because I said the other day, yesterday, oh, we'll be in the bottom three on the 1st of Jan, right? And if we lose the next two, we I almost certainly will be, but we've got a better goal difference because of those goals scored at the start of the season than a few of the clubs that are down there. But what I'm saying is if Huddersfield won their game in hand, then yeah. it's 25 is 24, 25 points is 24th in the table and we're on 27. Yeah? yeah. So we only need to get eyed in somewhere and that goal difference, we lose out on that. And then we are in, in deep doo-doo. All right, look, we, we've, uh, let's just, let's look at, uh, I come to Mark for this one because this is like one of the things that you like, Mark. It was a, it was a, a dawning of a new era yesterday, Mark, because we saw, we saw the introduction, everybody had wondered where Scrumpy had gone, but we saw the introduction oh, of two new club mascots, Robin and Robin. Now, I don't know what gender they are, but did you see the new mascots yesterday? No, and I, I couldn't I couldn't really care, unfortunately, David. You couldn't give a flying you could no, no, so uh, I'm trying look, I'm trying for this you, you could Are they are they are they, you, they they, you, they to take our if if they're deflect if they're deflecting from our poor form, anything anything that takes people's minds off the football is good is is good on is. me. I mean I'm, quite I'm, honestly, I'm who gives a that. flying about Mascots. <laughs> After yes, right. Let's get into the meaty stuff. Look, we've left it. Can I just say that the the, the stat that I the, the stat that that's the biggest problem, right? In the first eight games, we won four. We won four of those first eight and scored sixteen goals. Yeah. In the next sixteen, we scored eighteen goals and we've only won three. Mm. That's that's where where that's we league are. Games. And yeah. we're still and we're still. If Ian says we're the, still the sixth highest goal scorer. We've scored 18 goals in in 16 games, and we're still the sixth highest. Think what we could have done. It, it's the goal scoring's fallen off a cliff. But three wins in 16, two of those uh, were away. Yeah, and we won two of our last six. Uh, we've only we haven't won six six games, six home games without a win. Without a win, that is awful. That's relegation yeah. form, and something's got to change. Steve Cottrell was so stubborn. He didn't get the signings he wanted in in the summer of 2015. Yeah, kept playing yeah. the same players. Simon yeah. Cox was brought in, I think, against his will. He left him on the bench, didn't even play him, and he eventually got the sack. And Nigel Pearson, you know, challenged the board, sacked me, and you, you'll get the same. You'll get the same result, which is what he said, I think, earlier in the season. But if something doesn't change, and that's got to be new players and some motivation, we probably need to find. Another twenty-seven points. We've got to look for nine wins now. Yeah, which is more than we've had in the first half of the season. And it wouldn't be, was it? How many games left? Twenty, twenty-two games 22. left. Yeah. So twenty-seven points. So we've probably got to get seven wins, uh, eight wins. Let's call it seven. Seven wins, seven draws, and uh, eight defeats. That would be, and that's that. That would probably just about keep us up. So that's seven, seven, seven. Yeah, or eight six eight something like that. Because we yeah. don't draw that many. Okay, uh, Neil, if, uh, was it the guy who does the evening posts in his old language? Is it Richard Forrester? He's put on the, there today, actually. Anyway, back for Nigel Pearson. Nigel's been around a block as a manager, receiving criticism from quarters of the stadium is nothing new to him. Uh, there was no hiding from yesterday. We want Pearson out. You don't know what you're doing uh, as people left with 10 minutes to go. P- 
Pearson sat in the post-match interview room at the end of the game with what would have been a mixture of emotions, pressure, frustration, disappointment, anger, and arguably defeated with West Brom by far the better side in the day. And, you know, and then he comes up with a comment of, um, I've been booed out of bigger grounds than uh, where I am at the moment. Dave, uh, who's going to be one of our contributors, I think in the new year, uh, occasionally he said, I've been a big NP supporter uh, and Ian's agree with him on the text feed here, but something has to change now. All the early season promise and free-flowing attacking football, because we did say early September, yeah, it's all the Queen's fault because up to when the fixtures were postponed, we were playing decent football and we actually were enjoying it. There was that three lots of 2-0 home wins in a row. As I say, Dave says, I've been an MP supporter. Something's got to change. All the early season promise is gone. Corbyn is an example of how things can change, although West Brom had a lot more to work with, which we know. Um, Neil, uh, two defeats, because he's not going to go before Thursday, but if we lost the next two, and I'll say it, went out to Swansea in the Cup, he couldn't survive that, could he? Well, I don't know, uh, Dave, truth be told. Uh, there is... I think Richard Gould has done an absolutely fantastic job in the last 18 months. Or has he been there about 18 months? Have I got that right? Yeah, he has. But well, quantify a and, fantastic and, job. And I, and because I, and we I like think... Richard. Richard's a lovely guy. Yeah. yeah. We like Richard. What do you call a fantastic job? I think By he's... not being as involved as Mark Ashton was and not having his face in everything that was going on? I think he's he, he talks eloquently... He's yeah. brought the wage budget down. He's brought a bit of sensible, common sense approach to our situation. Okay, so I think... just, just want to sorry, Neil. I want to just pick up on those points there because one of those points somebody said he's brought the wage budget down. No, we've just not issued contracts, and we've just said. In fact, you've almost argued slightly against yourself because he's allowed the signing of a player who's going to be thirty-three when his new contract for a further two years commences in June, right? on a wage that is still probably the top end of the wage budget that will be there for 23, 24 season and beyond. Well, so what, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticising what you're saying. I'm just challenging No, no, no. No, no, no. It's good to have debate, Dave. It's good to have debate. No, it's good to talk. No, my point about Gould is when Gould put his three-month notice in, that kind of devoids him from any future planning, doesn't it? So I'm answering your point with regards to Pearson. Right. You know, in the next couple of games or the Swansea game, the FA Cup game, yeah. there, there is no leadership at the club, is there? You've no. got a CEO there who who is handed in his notice, who's not really going to be making such a pivotal decision on whether right. or not to actually bin a manager or not. You've got a... A chairman who has replaced his Criolas with digital Criolas and done fever pitch, which is his, <laughs> you know, his bloody nonsense stuff that has no involvement with the club whatsoever. You know, I, I put on the on, on the forums in answer to one of Dave Fouth's things. I, I said, why can't somebody from the club come out and say, this is our plan for next month. This is what we're hoping to do as a <laughs> yeah. club. This is what we need to do to get us out of a fairly difficult situation. We're on a downward trajectory at the moment. I don't think anybody could argue with that. But there's nobody, is there? Well, no, and it's interesting you say about Richard Gould. So I mean, Pearson, look, Richard Gould. 
Pearson's it, doesn't, to do... it doesn't work with football clubs. It's not like government, is it? I suppose it's what we we would like, but not. It's not going to happen. There's but no there isn't a voice in the club, Mark. Is no, there? You're right. No, no, no there's no this. voice in the club. It's just, no. it's just silence. Gould. So then you yeah, go back Richard to then you, then you go back to Pearson. Sorry, Dave. Then yeah, then you go back to Pearson, and Pearson gave that good interview in the week about it. But you know who's alongside him? Who's who's well, is there? No, you know the he's and let, let's talk about sticking with Richard Gould. I mean, Richard Gould is a lovely guy. He spoke at the Senior Reds lunch the other day, and he was talking about where he'd been, right? And he's 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 effectively working his notice because I think Richard's head was turned as far back as the summer when you know his former boss at Surrey got the big job at the ECB of chairman, um, and he was probably tapped up about that in the summer in the same way that Mark Ashton was working in cahoots with the Americans a year before he left us to go to Ipswich Town, right? So you've got a situation where the, the Lansdowns are going to have to have some visibility because, right, unless they've got somebody who's lined up, who's out of work at the moment, they will not have a chief executive in post as of the 1st of February. That's a fact. It will be, they could have somebody on board, on the 1st of Feb, but it'll be somebody who is between jobs at the moment who will have a track record and it could be a very good track record and everything like that. But the club, right, is going into a January transfer window with a vacant chief executive and a manager that 98%, quote Ian's phrase earlier, are no longer behind him. And as you rightly say, Neil, he did do a good midweek interview without showing humility, but it was it was informative, yeah? The, the 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 thing is, you know, who is going to fire the bullet? And have they got? Has anybody got the balls to stand up to a player that to stand up to a manager that again a phrase used about him? He's arrogant and showing no humility. So back well, to the original question, Neil. Dave, do you think? Dave, do you think he'd be here? He's an employee. He's an employee. You can sack an employee. Of course you can. You know, we know. David. I, know, I know you can sack it. I know you can sack somebody, but we are we are we are we walking blindfold? Are we are we running blindfold into relegation? Because Dave. what's going to change? Dave, my point, my point was, and just to finish off before you go to Ian and Mark, who very graciously, we do. My point is not so much who who pulls the trigger on him. Do we have any confidence at anybody at the club on hiring a replacement? There is no one at the club to hire a replacement for him. So this idea of going out and getting a young up-and-coming manager or another manager or a best fit in a situation, who is actually going to go at at Bristol City next month, potentially, and go out there and employ another manager? I don't see it. Who's going to do it? All right, Ian, have your say now. Go on. What are you going to say? Now the conversation's getting round to something interesting. Um, what we should do, in my opinion, is sack Pearson and Curtis Fleming. You appoint Brian Tinian as interim head coach. If there isn't anybody at the club with the wherewithal or the nous to go out and find a manager, and the search should have been on a while ago on a just-in-case basis, then you employ somebody, one of the top football headhunters, the Corn Ferry will have someone, um, <coughs> or somebody at Deloitte, and, and you say, right, Go and get me, go and get us the brightest, best up-and-coming coach. Now, about two months ago on this podcast, 
um, somebody was saying to me, well, who would you get? And I said, Carlos Corbera. And I also said that on a forum and I also said it on Twitter. And I also quoted two or three guys that are assistants at places like Borussia Dortmund. Now, when people say, oh, you never get them. Well, if you don't try, you don't get. Mm. And I'm tired of people thinking that we're some second-rate backwater place. We pay top money. Now, we should have a CEO starting. The club advertised the position on LinkedIn. All right. Now, we should have someone, should have been, a shortlist should be in place. Uh, by now, interviews should be taking place. And we should have someone to step in for Richard when he walks out the club. Now, whether he's done a great job, I'm not quite so sure because people bang on about, well, he's reduced the wage bill. Our wage bill in the last accounts, I believe, I no doubt I'll get corrected if I'm wrong, was £29 million versus a turnover of 30. That doesn't sound great to me. Now, is it better than it was? Yes, but anybody can not renew contracts and let players leave for nothing. Mm. Anybody can do that. Um, so, yes. I don't think Pearson, in fairness, hasn't had the money thrown at him that um, uh, Lee Johnson and Mark Ashton wasted. But but by the same token, he's been in the same boat and perhaps slightly better off with some money than the likes of the managers at Preston, Luton, and we've had this conversation before. So with his record, that currently stands this season at played 24-1-7, drew 6, lost 11, 431 against 34, 27 points out of 72, with a win rate of 29% and a points rate of 38%. Now, we need, curiously enough, 39%, in my opinion, to survive, and that would take us to 53 points. And that's not necessarily safe because Leicester went down on 53. Yeah. And Ian, just to say as well, there, that's using that methodology for points. You know, that's sort of, if we carry on as we are, we'll be okay. But most of the points that we got in the first half of the season were in the first half dozen games, weren't they? So there's got to yeah. be a remarkable yeah. turnaround based on the last 10 games. Well, the problem is, if you look at Pearson's record since he walked through the door, the win rate is 29%, snap, points rate 37%, almost snap. And that record is played 84, of which he's won 24, drew 18, lost 41. So he's lost almost twice, oh. as many, mm. twice as many as he's won. Now, his yeah. goal difference is minus 33, and we've picked up 92 points out of 252. Now, we cannot, you know, to coin a phrase that's being used a lot, um, it is we cannot go on like that. Enough is enough. Yeah. Now, if, if, if anybody can say to me, ah, yeah, but it's going to change because then I'll listen. I'm, I can be convinced, and I could be convinced if we had a run of games. But I think if he stays on as manager, um, we might get some luck and we might pick up an away win or a away draw. But it, it it's just a slow, lingering death. And then As in, things stand, as things stand at the well, moment. Are they, well, the question is, are they going to improve? And if, if you say, yes, they'll definitely improve, tell me why. All right, okay. let me ask Mark. Let's ask Mark, let's ask Mark that Hello. question. Yeah, Mark, look, the fact of the matter is, had we won yesterday or beaten Stoke, we won one of the last two games, we'd have been on 30 points. Right? And we'd have been off, we'd have been off, just 
a mere five points off the playoffs, right? So again, we say about fine margins, right? But can you see the improve? What needs to change? Ian said, get rid of Pearson, get rid of Wells. Don't know why he's excusing Jason Yule from that because Jason Yule is a forward coach. I didn't, yeah? I didn't say Wells. We've got Dave, one. Dave, I didn't Sorry? say Wells. No, you said Curtis Fleming. Sorry. Curtis yeah. Fleming, yeah. Get rid of those two, but why not get why not get rid of all three? The idea of bringing Tinian in as an interim, you know, the idea of well, let's bring Neil Warnock back or something like that, you know, Lansdowne's never going to do any of that stuff. But Mark, sticking sticking with you, Mark, right? What's going What's going to change? And the original question as well to Neil was two more defeats and cup exit, and yeah, you know, it was toxic enough at quarter five yesterday. It's just going to get worse, isn't it? The only thing that can can change are two two things. One, we sack, we get rid of Pearson. Problem we got is we must have identified uh, a potential transfer targets now and what, how we're going to move players to actually afford them. Must have done that. If we get rid of Pearson, it'll have to be now because a new manager is going to have to work in the transfer market. I don't think the players we got at the club offer really much right now with Pearson in charge to get us out of the mess. That is the problem. So the only way it changes is if we bring uh, a couple of new players in. Semenyo's value's plummeted. Nobody's going to want him in the window. The only saleable asset we got right now is Alex Scott. So if we sell in the the January window, we you know he's going to go for because of the club's poor form. He's going. To I would say the only saleable asset. Well, he's go. Is... He'll go. He'll go. He'll go for a song. But nobody will want to buy him. Nobody want to buy. Nobody's going to buy Alex Scott. Nobody's going to buy any of our players. If you look at the values, you look at the values we were talking about six months ago for some of those players. I mean, Semenyo, oh, 20 million quid. Yeah. I mean, more realistically, it was probably about 12, right? Well, he's not. Somebody came along and offered six million. Exactly. And Alex Scott, based on the last four months, you wouldn't even take a punt on him because there's nothing there. No, the no, only I, don't, I think that's that we've got. No, I don't, I don't agree disagree. with that. Right. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I think you're okay. just expecting a, a, far too much. You've got a player who's, you know, he's, he's, he's won the Euros with England. He's playing okay. regular football yeah. in the Championship. Those of those players in the, that England and the 19th teams aren't playing regular football for their teams because no. most of them in the Premier League. He's got exactly. fantastic potential. Right. He won't go this season, but City are in a mess. Who yeah. would they, what about they, Tommy they Conway being the most manager. saleable asset? What about yeah, Tommy maybe. Conway? He's, he's still, he's, he's still d- developing. I think people, nobody will buy him. But nobody's going to want to buy our players. We might move some out on loan to free up some to free up some wages. But the only hope we've got on our current trajectory of three wins in 16 is to bring new players in if we've got some money. That is our only hope, I think. Because I don't think Pearson will go. With, with Lansdowne, he'll, he, he, we drag so the only the only time we'll, we'll go is if we if he'll go is if we go into the relegation zone. Um, might happen in the next couple of games. It might be longer than a couple of games. Cardiff can't win for love and money. They got a transfer embargo at the moment. Mm. Rotherham are a bit. I don't. Rotherham are plummeting. Hull are funny. Blackpool. I didn't expect to be where they were. Wigan can't win for love and money. And Huddersfield are really suffering. Uh, they're the other side of uh, the playoffs. Lost all their their lone players. Their two best players. Uh, two two players in Toffolo and O'Brien went to Forest. Haven't been the same since. So. Yeah. We might we might get away with fifty points, but we got we got to get those results presently. Yeah. Gutless City, no, with no midfield glue at all, unless we bring some new heads in there. 
Well, that's it. Oh, somebody Lansdowne. said Peterborough. I cannot see Lansdowne sacking sacking Pearson unless we fall into the relegation zone. He, it, it, it's normally he's let things drag. Yeah, and it's a difficult one because you know, as as as, as somebody says here, Peterborough went, went down on fifty four points that year. <clears throat> the difficulty is right is the transfer window is a week away, right? You've got a manager who's under pressure. We've got no direction at the top of the club because you've got a chief executive who's out of work and sticking a job on LinkedIn ain't going to fill the job. Yeah, you will get people. I know this because I've done adverts on LinkedIn. You will get people apply that have got no qualifications for the job and you should be out there identifying somebody who probably I is... they are though, David. I expect they have got a headhunter or somebody in place. Well, that, one would hope so. An got me doing it. Football's yeah. an incestuous business. I think it's not headhunting in the literal sense. There will be probably out-of-work CEOs, but there's a vacuum created. Well, and not, if they it's, a, leave, it's a network, isn't it? Yeah, if they leave, they've either got to stick or twist because if they stick with him over the next 10 days, then all the transfer business that he said he wants to do early will be on his watch. Right, so we go into the game against Birmingham on January the fourteenth. That's the one to keep an eye on, right? Bogey team, Birmingham. We'll be halfway through the transfer window at that point, right? Yeah, we could go and get a result at Millwall in midweek, but Birmingham, January the fourteenth, halfway through the window. That could be the game that tips us into the bottom three when we've gone out and made signings and maybe sold one of our prize assets, not for the money they were worth at the beginning of the the year. And then it is a is a problem because you know you get a new manager at that point, and then he's he's got no room to manoeuvre. I mean, Neil, what 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 say you? You know, on you know, we've I, said a I few times say, on here, trusting yeah. him with the money, right? Yeah. Ne- 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 what what is going to change? Well, the the players that he spent money on were all on the bench yesterday, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I think. Um, I agree with Mark. I, we, we're letting the situation drag. Bizarrely, City over the last few years, we've never dropped into the relegation zone, have we? No. So no. We've, for, God knows how. We've never been there. Uh, look, the way, it's, the way it's going at the moment, I can see it's dropping in in the next two or three weeks. Do you make a, a judgment call at that time? I just can't see it from the City at the moment. I, I think they're gonna, it's going to drag out. They'll give it a month, and if we don't get out after a month of being in the relegation zone, then they might be forced to make a decision. But I think they'll look at it now, and they'll be talking to Pearson. Pearson will be saying, this is the plans that I have for the January window, either outs or in. And they'll go, right, okay. And there is nobody there who's going to actually pull the axe on him, is there? Nobody's going to do it. Let's be realistic about it. So I think it's probably going to get a little bit worse. Uh, we, but strange things with City, isn't it? I mean, you know, Christ, I didn't think we'd go up to Rotherham and get a result, but there we go. Mm. Maybe we go to Millwall, we get a result. And then we're on third. You know, it's papering over the cracks, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Papering yeah. over the cracks. He needs to go. It's not working. This, this wing backs, it's not working. It hasn't worked all season, really, has it? I mean, our crossing is dire from the side. How many assists have we had from from either no. wing that position? It it doesn't work, and I, I agree with Ian and with Mark in this respect that either he's got to change, shift players out, get some players in, try something new in this situation because at the moment 
we're just going backwards, really. We're, in, in terms of the way that we play, it's not working, but he's too belligerent at the moment to admit that it's not working. <coughs> That's the thing, he's, he's too and belligerent. He's, and he's, dig, he's digging himself a hole. He's digging himself a massive hole. And is there anybody out there at the club that's going to turn around to him and say, no, no, this isn't working. We need to be, you know, we need to go in a different direction. Yeah. I just can't I'm just sit picking up, I don't think anybody's picking up on Ian's that. point where he's an employee of the club, you can sack him, right? About a year ago, well, 10 months ago, when Lansdowne Jr. said, well, I expected us to be a bit better placed, he almost got a slap in the face through the next press conference that... Uh, that Pearson did. He's got this arrogance that is a trait of his, again, as Ian said, when you use Jose Mourinho and you've won six games in a row and somebody puts in a dumbass question, you can make them look a twat, basically. You know, can you so imagine not- Can you imagine at any other football club, the chairman says, I think we should be doing better. And the manager goes, what's the chairman know? And he said, and he said, and he said, well, you get rid of me, it's still going to be a mess. You won't get anybody better than me. So coming to you on that point, Ian, because you said they can sack him, right? But yeah. he did make that comment last year. What is, what, yeah, switch, let, me, let me switch off there, Mike, and get him feedback. There you right. go. That's it. No, it's not. Neil, you Neil. There we go. That's it. We're back now. So, Ian, you said they couldn't sack him, but he sort of gave them short thrift 10 months ago, didn't he? When well, he, he Junior Lansdown had the temerity to say, well, yeah, he expected us to have done better. You've asked the question, let me answer it. He's, he's also said the strategy was bonkers. And he's right. It was bonkers. And it was the Lansdowne strategy, led by Mark Ashton, I don't doubt. But that's what he said. Now, they should sack him. His record is sackable. It's as simple as that. It's, it's not a question of, well, oh, well, I'm a bit scared of him. Well, if you're a bit scared of him, you shouldn't be in the job in the first place. Steve Lansdowne's got more money than he knows what to do with. He's not scared of him. He can appoint a bloke to go in and sack him if he wants. So, you know, I, I worked at a company once, and there was a guy there who, who was a bit of a handful. So they got the head of security, who, who was a great big ex-copper, he, he came in, bloke called him into his office and said, right, the, uh, you're losing your job, there's a compromise offer, that's that, that's on the table, if not, you're going to get the sack and you can take us to a tribunal, do what you like. Now, what managers do these days is they get paid off over a period of time normally. It's not normally like it was years ago, oh, you've got a year left, so here's a year's money, stick it in a pension fund. You can't do that, or I don't think you can do that anymore. You certainly can't if you're in a normal job because you're only allowed to put so much in a pension fund. But what they'll do is say, well, you know, if you've got 18 months left of your contract or a year left, we'll pay you until such time as you find another job. That's right. And, and that's what they do. So there's no immediate huge cost to it, although I expect Steve Lansdowne could do a deal around, well, or you can have half that now. It's up to you because Steve Lansdowne can afford it. Club club can't afford it. Who so, would? Uh, yeah, I mean, who would? Who would? Um, who would take on Pearson now? You could probably sit on a beach for eighteen months at Bristol City's expense. There's only I'm one interested. person that Steve Lansdowne will listen to. Who's that? Just one what? person. Well, he'll, he, it's it's known. It's widely known. He goes into a dark room. 
at his mansion in, in Guernsey, and he says, mirror, mirror on the wall, should I sack Nigel Pearson at all? The only person person he'll listen to is himself. There's no there's nobody to consult yeah. on the board. There is no board. He is the board. There's no point asking John, wherever John is. The only person he'll listen to is himself. So there you go. Well, I did. No, my... I think you're right. Look, I mean, Ian made a point. Sorry, Ian. Ian made a point about in business. I had a client once who was managing director of an owner directed business, or an owner business, and he helped turn the business around. Yeah, and he was with them, and they made good profits. He made good money, right? But he treated the owners of that business with a degree of contempt. Yeah, and then one Christmas, got to be about ten years ago now, he, he I, I phoned him up, and uh, he'd just been given the old heave ho because he'd had one set of bad results, just a six month period, and they got him out. Right now, the difference between that guy and Nigel Pearson is that Pearson hasn't had any success and he's treating the comments that he made 10 months ago yeah about the plan being bonkers and everything like that right you know if they do stick with him right if they do stick with him and he does take us down right he can only come back from this now Pearson if he did take us down and it's a legacy of all the shit that has gone on for the last four years. I mean, it's incredible to think that five years ago, it's five years, five years ago this week, we were, you know, right up the arses of uh, Wolves. You know, we'd beaten Man United. We'd beaten Nottingham Forest, I think, on Boxing Day or, yeah, just had a good Christmas. Uh, and here Reading. we are now. Yeah, Reading, that's right. Here we are now. Pearson can only come back from this as a manager if he got us back up at the first attempt. I perish the thought we've had eight seasons at this level. You know, are we going to go down and come straight back up? Because if we don't change, yeah, if we don't change, our playing fortunes over the next, I'll say, 10 games, yeah, that's it. Season over and we're down. Yeah? And would he, would he stay? Because that's that's what fans are saying. You said, Ian, 98% of the fan base are against him now. Well, I, you know, I, said, he, I didn't. Dave, Dave stop paraphrasing me into saying stuff I haven't said. Right? I said 98 point something percent of those replies to that particular thread on Twitter were anti-Pearson and wanted him gone. Now, that's what I said. I don't think it's 98% of the fan base or anywhere near it, because remember, for every one that a podcast, speaks on a forum, or... Um, goes on Twitter, there's probably three or four thousand that don't bother. What they do is a lot of them do what they did yesterday and don't turn up. And all the people missing yesterday, or nearly all of them, would have been season ticket holders because you're not going to buy a ticket at the sort of prices City charge for a one-off game and not go. Unless, of course, you're really ill or you have a family emergency or something like that. But I, I don't think, and I don't think Pearson, I with his record since he's left Leicester or with his record since he's been here, he's going to get offered another job. Because when when people are looking for managers, they don't come calling for Nigel Pearson. They, they, one of them, Darby, went and got the kid at Rotherham because they, yeah. they want the bloke that could get a side out, oh. of, out, of league, out of League One. And w- would I stick with it? Well, could I see the Lansdowns allowing us to get relegated? And Pearson to stay? Yeah, 
I could yeah. see it. There you go. No, All right. I think I think if it, that it, happened, the, the club would the club to take years to get back up again. Yeah, and like have happened uh, between ni- 1990, uh, 1999 and two thousand and seven. Uh, and it could take yeah. maybe three or four years. I know. Right. Take long All right. Look okay. at the clubs that are down there. Look at the clubs that are in at the top of that division. And that's what I'm saying. Next season, we this is the most important reset that I can remember in the summer at Bristol City. And it can't be him doing it because if you look at his recruitment, it's dreadful. Falling. I know. But the only godsend there is that Tinian is now involved in it to some extent. Okay, guys, look, I think it's, it's time to, to wrap up. Let's have a let's have a prediction for uh, I mean, the next away game, they won uh, 2-1 at uh, Watford yesterday, Millwall, uh, down the wall. Uh, you don't really want to be going to south-east London on a freezing cold Thursday night in pouring rain. You don't it want rains. to be going to Millwall at most nights. Then. You don't want to be going to Millwall any <laughs> night. Let's have, uh, Ian, your, you, how, how do you think we get on Thursday night? Well, on current form, Millwall are the, I think they're the third best uh, team in the division uh, at home. Their last six at home, they played six, won four, drew two, lost none, scored 10, conceded three. So they've got a plus seven goal difference and have picked up 14 points or 78% of the points they've played for. Okay. Um, That's City, statistically very accurate. Yeah. City, City <laughs> played six, won two, three, one, lost three, four, seven against nine. So a minus two goal difference, seven points. We're 18th in the away league and having picked up 39% of the points. Millwall are sixth on 35, having played one last game and the league table shows City 18th on 27 points. So, so you go so for City win then. So, so City win then. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I'd love to see what odds you could get on a Bristol City win because at the mo- last week, one of the guys that sits by me who understands betting Said he he put a bet on City to get a penalty, uh, and he got six to one on it. So has anybody wonder... seen? There's a new there's a new website, BristolCityPenalty.co.uk. Yeah, four hundred four hundred fifteen days, days we're up to now. Fifteen is it right? Okay, so Ian's going statistically going for a home win. What do you think, uh, Mark? Nil <coughs> no, no, no chance based on that. It would be it would be for City to you know to like City to get to get a win. The best I hope for is to get a draw. What we want to see is we want to see guts, effort, play the players on it, chances chances created, the midfield actually turning up and making it a competitive game. But uh, I can't see anything other than a mill win. Sorry. All right, and and Neil. <clears throat> In this crazy season where nothing seems to go the way you think, City 2 1. I hope you're oh, right. For, yeah. Uncle Neil, I like your optimism. I, hope I, you're I, I, I just think it's it's a papering over the cracks, Mark. It's a papering yeah. over the cracks, yeah. really. But it's the type of thing where if we lose the next two games at Millwall and Coventry <laughs> heavily, then we might be forced into decisions. It's the type of thing where we'll go and get a result won't we and then lose the yeah. next three or four <clears throat> yeah no we could I'm, I'm with you Neil on that I think it's a game that everybody just like we thought you know coming back after World Cup we'd lose away at Rotherham we didn't we ground out a win it's always yeah. good to get one over on um, what's that horrible little man Gary Rowett get one over on a Gary Rowett side but uh, look I mean it's uh, we are where we are 
how do we use that? I, I, um, just, no, I just noticed somebody's posted a message on the uh, on, on on the messages. Uh, Red Robin 2020, can CNP retiring when he leaves City? I just thought, you know, when you say retiring, imagine if he was in an old folk zone. God, the conversations. Yeah, I think, I death, think this is his, he won't get a bigger, he, this is his last big job in football. I in the say. residence room? God. Yeah. No, this I is just it. Give, All I right, give guys. T- I give in the TV remote and just walk away and say I'm not arguing with you. Good, good to have you. Good to have you all back. I'm going to try and do some exercise today to get rid of my food baby that has accumulated. But uh, we'll be covering the uh, Luton game. Um, I don't know when when we'll do it. I'll talk about that later, and we'll post. Do you mean it, the Millwall uh, game? Up the Millwall game. Not that I've yeah. got a fixation about Luton. Luton, who beat. Have you Norwich got a Luton City. fan or something, David? Luton, no. Luton beat Norwich 2 1 yesterday, and our ex player, Corley Woodrow, scored the winner. And uh, I reckon the next manager to get the chop could well be Dean Smith at Norwich. And I thought, do we well, want somebody like him down here? And I'm not so keen to be honest with Dave, that. Dave, the Luton one, I mean, Luton, in fairness, they got that fantastic stadium. They've they've spent millions. In, oh no, no, hang on, that's that's wrong, isn't it? Um, yeah, I was thinking, I was I was thinking of Man City. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I got that, I yeah. Got that wrong. Because you and but you you can't blame Nigel for anything that's going wrong down there because he hasn't had any money, right? Exactly. I just leave that one there. All right, everybody, have a good Christmas uh, bank holiday. Tuesday, and we will be back again uh, this year, uh, right at the very end of the year. But everybody, big audience today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. All the best to you all. Thanks. God bless, Cheers, God bless, bye bye. God bless us one and all. Bye-bye. 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 And uh, Bye-bye. don't have nightmares. Bye-bye. the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points perfect all the mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in our participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and time supply see mcdonald's.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.